Now, before you check out of here this morning, mentally, because you're here to just put in your time, and before you go home and take your afternoon nap, you get up to get ready to root on the L.A. Rams to victory today. If you want to root the Hatriots, you can. It's your opportunity. It's all right. You know, you have the, the Patriots in football that nobody likes, and you have the Yankees in baseball that nobody likes. And I don't know if anybody likes anybody in, in basketball or not, but um, before you do all that, I want to remind you of some, uh, I hope, some really important stuff. Uh, I changed my message from what it was originally going to be after the funeral yesterday, I spent about two hours here and retyped some stuff and got it all ready and got my thoughts, and then I was back in here early this morning. But my goal through this series of messages of reminders is simply this, to challenge you each and every week. Last week, if you remember, I reminded you as Christians that we have been given a command, not a suggestion, but a command, and that is to go and make disciples. We are to baptize, and then we are to teach, which is an in-depth training and teaching, or in other words, the word I like better is mentoring. And so this morning, I want to pose you a question. What are you passing along to the next generation? What are you passing along to the next generation? Every leader has had or currently has had a mentor in their life, someone who has taught and guided them as to what they need to do. They have been given them, they have given them knowledge, they have given them training, and they have passed it down to them. We all need that. When you go to a new job, you, you don't just go to a job and say, okay, what do I do? There are people there to guide you and train you so that you don't make some of the mistakes that maybe they have made. And so we have these people that have, have trained us and they've mentored us. Some of these mentors are older than you. And some of the mentors are younger than you. It's okay, as long as you know that there are people that are trying to teach you new things every day, and if you realize this, that every day you ought to be in a constant state of learning. My favorite phrase throughout the day, and I try to look for something every day to where I can look at them and then I tell them, I've learned something new today. I've learned something new today that I never knew before. And if I can go through and say that at least one time through a day, I know it's been a good day. I love to learn new things. But I want to look at this morning someone who took mentoring others very seriously. That was the Apostle Paul. And if we follow how we should mentor others, we don't have to go much farther than the Apostle Paul. If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. This is where the Apostle Paul gives us a guideline to follow. He gives us this guideline to follow. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 2 reading out of the New Living Translation because I like the way it says it here. 
You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. He's talking to his son in the faith, Timothy. Now teach these truths to others. I have taught you, Timothy. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. That's the process. You have learned from a mentor. You have learned from them. Now take what you have learned and pass it along to someone else. The Apostle Paul tells us here in these verses that we are, first of all, to learn. We are to learn. We are to listen to our teachers. You got that, Olivia? We are to listen to our teachers. I know when we were in school, I, I had a history teacher that I, it caused me to hate history for the longest time because I thought he lived history. I thought when he said, you know, that the Mayflower came over, that he was on the Mayflower. He was so old. I mean, I thought this. He made it so boring that I kind of just turned him off, and I turned everything off to history. Now I love history. Anything that deals with this, I want to read it. I want to learn about it because I miss that. We are to learn. We are to learn. listen to our teachers. And then we are to teach what we have learned to others. Why? So that we can pass it along. You shouldn't want to keep this to yourself. You need to pass it along to others. The Apostle Paul had a tremendous background. First of all, he was educated at the feet of Gamaliel. Gamaliel in those days was considered one of the brightest scholars of his day. We find that in Acts chapter 22 and verse 5. We also know that the Apostle Paul was a Pharisee. The Apostle Paul, the Pharisees were the separatist group of religious men they were what we and I, you and I might consider to be the holier than thou's. They might be the, the ones that are very pious and I, you know, look, they look down upon you because you are not up to their level. Well, then he was also a zealot. A zealot was this political movement that they, he, they would take the Jews, they sought these special group of Jews to rebel against the Roman Empire. That, you know, they, they didn't like the Romans and they wanted to, to rebel against the Romans and that was the good part of their being zealot. They had, but they had a fervent devotion to God's law. That was their downside. Because they ended up vehemently against this new group of people that called themselves Christians. They hated anyone who followed Jesus' teaching rather than the law. And this group of zealots were out to destroy them. It's why Paul persecuted the church. It's why the first Christian martyr, Stephen, that they, the people that stoned Stephen threw and gave their garments to a man called Saul, who was later called Paul. But thank God that Saul was converted on the road to Damascus. And instead of persecuting the church, he went and preached the gospel to the church. And I'm sure that throughout his lifetime after his conversion, that the apostle Paul mentored a lot of different people. A few of them are mentioned throughout the Bible. And I want to look at a few of them this morning. 
The first one I want to look at is a man by the name of John Mark. We first see John Mark in Acts chapter 12, where if you remember the story, Peter had been put into prison, and there was a group praying in a house, and they were praying and praying and praying that, that Peter would be released. And while they were praying, Peter comes up to the door, and, and a little girl comes walking up, and said, probably said, like you and I, didn't open the door, who is it? Oh, this is Peter. Recognized the voice. She was excited. She went back to the room where they were praying and said, guess what? Why she didn't open the door, I don't know. But she went, guess what? Peter is here. And like all Christians, they said, oh, no, he's not. No, he isn't. You see, we pray, but we don't believe they were praying for Peter's release. Peter was standing at the door. The girl told them, hey, listen, Peter is here. And they did not believe him. And Peter kept knocking and banging on the door. Finally, they opened the door. Somebody opened the door, and it was Peter. And the house that they were at was John Mark's house, where his mother was. It was John Mark where they were, that, that, that they were there praying we find that John Mark in Acts chapter 12 and 25 and 13 and verse 5, that he assisted Paul and Barnabas on their, their, their missionary journeys. What an opportunity to you, if you ever get an opportunity to go with somebody on a trip uh, to spread the gospel, do it. Just to watch and see how things go. I had the opportunity of uh, going to Haiti on Monday and I came back Wednesday uh, afternoon. And um, what the uh, first time I'd ever been there. And, I, and all, the, all the Haitian uh, ladies in our, in our choir that night said, their first question was, what'd you think? I'm like, you know what Haiti looks like. But they wanted to know what I thought. They wanted my perspective of it. And my perspective, I told them immediately when I got off the plane, I said, I thought I was in China because it was so brown. From, you know, in China, it, the brown is from um, pollution. And in Haiti, it's from the dust that's built up on the roads that the, you know, all the vehicles stir it up as they're driving along. And it was very brown. And I, and I said, and there was garbage everywhere. I couldn't believe it. You know, and I had somebody tell me this morning, we go, they go, well, get out of Port-au-Prince and it's clean. You know, and, and I thought, well, if you land in Port-au-Prince, shouldn't that be the one that you want to showcase? You know, you want it to be the clean one, let, you know. But anyway, I did. And then I traveled to um, uh, Danny Mignon's uh, hometown and went through that and went traveling down and met some of the most wonderful people that I've ever met. And I, said, I told every single one of them through an interpreter, I said, you, you'd fit right into our church because some of the greatest people that we have are Haitian people in our church. And I went and I looked at, at schools and, and, and um orphanages and um, uh, churches and, and things that possibly we can go and help them with and assist them with. But if you ever get a chance to go, go. And John Mark had this chance and opportunity to go with the Apostle Paul and with Barnabas. But then we see in chapter 13 that John Mark left the Apostle Paul and Barnabas in Pamphylia. Pamphylia. 
he left him. He may have not been mature enough to handle the pressure of going on the trip. Maybe he got homesick. I don't know. The Bible does not say. He just, all it says is he went and left and went back to Thessalonica. And then in chapter 15, we see this passage of Scripture where once again, Paul and Barnabas are getting ready to set out on another missionary journey. And guess who shows up? John Mark. And Paul and Barnabas get into a very heated discussion. Paul said, I do not want to take him. He left us before. I'm sure he's going to leave us again. Barnabas said, no, 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 I think we need to take him. I think he's matured enough now. He knows what his mistakes are, and now I think we ought to take him on this trip. And they could not come to an agreement. And so Paul takes Silas and leaves, and they go on a trip. And Barnabas, the Bible says, takes John Mark with him. I think during that time that John Mark spent with Barnabas, was very profitable because he knew that he could not do anything with the Apostle Paul, but Barnabas, whose name means encourager, took John Mark under his wing because we see in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 11 when Paul is coming down to the end of his life here on earth, he knew he was about to die. He tells Timothy, listen, Timothy, bring John Mark with you. Why would he say that at this time of his life? Bring John Mark with you because he is now useful for me for my ministry. Barnabas probably took him under his wing, taught him some things that Paul needed him to probably teach him. He matured and now Paul wants him at the end of his life to be one of the people there to see and to be with him and maybe pray with him and, and encourage him. John Mark came full circle. Then we come to our second person, Demas. Not much is mentioned about Demas, but we first see Demas in Philemon chapter 1, where the Bible tells us that Demas was a fellow worker of the Apostle Paul. He's also mentioned in Colossians with, he's mentioned in Colossians with Luke. Luke, the physician, Luke, the writer of Luke, Luke, the writer of Acts, who gave us a description of the early church. He's mentioned here in this. But then in 2 Timothy, and verse number 4, where we said, bring John Mark in verse 11, if you go to verse 10, it says, Demas, having loved this pre present world, departed from me. He may have been too young, he may have wanted to sow his wild oats, as so many young people say today. Maybe he is tired of seeing the persecutions of Paul. Many scholars believe that he spent time in jail with the Apostle Paul because of his association with the Apostle Paul. Whatever the case might have been that caused Demas to say, I've had it, I am out of here, I want the things of this world. Because the things of this world always look more appealing. They always look more appealing. Maybe he felt burnt out with the ministry. But sad, how sad it is 
that the values of the world corrupted him so much that he chose the world over serving Jesus Christ and having heavenly values in his life. But that's how many people live their lives today. They would rather have the pleasures of sin for a season, as the Bible says, than to live for Christ. But then we come to Timothy. We come to Timothy. Remember I told you just a little bit ago that they had this bitter disagreement and they split and went their different ways in the end of chapter 15? The very next verse, chapter 16 and verse 1, we are introduced to Timothy. And I'm sure that by now, after just going through this, that the last thing that the Apostle Paul wanted to do was to think about bringing somebody else on another trip. To think about mentoring somebody else. He might have thought to himself, listen, this is enough, I've had enough, I don't know. But if you look in Acts chapter 16, open your Bibles there, Acts chapter 16. If you would please. And the Bible says there, and Paul also came to Derbe and to Lystra, and a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and in Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him and took him and circumcised him because, he was, uh, because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. And as they went on their way, through the cities, they delivered to them for observance for the decisions that had been reached by the apostle and the elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. Paul knew that this mentorship was going to be different. Timothy was now replacing John Mark on this, on this journey. But what we know of, of Timothy is this. He came from a great Christian background. We know that his grandmother uh, Lois and his mother Eunice may have been one of Paul's first converts when he first went to Lystra on his first missionary journey. But Paul immediately saw something special in Timothy, this young man who had deep values and who immediately joined the Apostle Paul's team. Interesting to note, however, that his father, and this is all the Bible says, his father was a Greek. His father was a Gentile. Now, it was rare in those days that a Jew, especially a Jewish woman, would marry a Gentile. But Eunice did just that. And Timothy's father was a Gentile. There's no evidence in Scripture that tells us he was ever a Christian, although I hope that he was. But Paul had to fill the shoes of his father spiritually. And my heart rejoices today as many young pastors and leaders who are out there enthusiastically serving Christ. But my heart aches for them as well because they have big dreams yet they lack spiritual guidance or spiritual fathers. Young pastors, just like Timothy, need fathers in the ministry. They need them to help them along. But I fear that they are seeing too much 
of this today that we are not seeing enough spiritual leaders in the church. We have the older ones that tell us, well, I'm not needed anymore. I'm too old. Nobody wants to hear me anymore. Nobody wants to think, you know, know the things that I'm thinking. We live, you know, or, or these older pastors are feeling, man, I have been used, I have been abused. The people that I've invested my life in are the ones that have stabbed me in the back. You know, there's been a lot of pastors out there that have been hurt and been burned. But guess what? We need pastors to step up. We need pastors to train these young people. We need pastors to pass along their knowledge and give it to somebody younger so that they can take that mantle and run with it. Elijah had Elisha. Moses passed everything he could to Joshua. We always need to pass down something to somebody. Somebody can take your knowledge and learn from it and, and have a great experience so that they will take that and run with it. The reason we want to train the young people is they have all the energy. They have all the excitement. But if they don't have a spiritual leader in their life, they're probably going to fail one day. They're going to burn out. I don't want to see the Demases of this wor uh, in this world, in this ministry. I've seen it before. I want the Demases not to love the present world, but to love Jesus. And like all great men, like all great men, the Apostle Paul attached himself to these wonderful young men, Demas, John, Mark, and Timothy. But if you read about Paul, he also had some older ones too. Luke, and Aquila, and Priscilla. Aquila and Priscilla, if you read about them, they're a husband and wife team. They're a wonderful mix. And Paul learned from them as he did from Luke. And, there would have, they, and those people would have been prominent in their own right, but they chose to go with the Apostle Paul and spread the gospel around the world. Paul's relationship with Timothy represents this wonderful mentorship. Timothy traveled with Paul on his second journey. He served with him in Ephesus, uh, and he was in, uh, imprisoned with him, uh, or was with him during Paul's imprisonment in Rome, according to Philemon 1.1. They grew so close together that Paul called him a true son in the faith. Not only did he call him a son, but he also called him in Romans 16.21 a co-worker. He was his child. He was his brother. There was a special closeness in their relationship. And he also had Timothy represent him on numerous occasions. We see in 1 Corinthians 4.17 that says, I sent to you Timothy, telling the Corinth church, I sent to you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of the ways in Jesus Christ as I teach them everywhere and in every church. We also see in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 that he sent Timothy to Thessalonica to represent him about certain matters that came up in the church there at Thessalonica. And then we see it in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 that he tells Timothy to do the work of the Lord just as I am where you are. Our verse this morning, 2 Timothy 2.2, clearly gives us the idea that the mantle will have been passed from the Apostle Paul to Timothy. 
And Apostle Paul is telling Timothy, listen, you've heard what I've said. Now take what I've said and share it and give it to others. Timothy was now in charge to pass on to others what he had been taught by the Apostle Paul. This is called parenthood mentoring. Parenthood mentoring. It is those things that we pass along, as it were, to our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. My mother just found out yesterday that, my, that she's going to be a great-grandmother. My mom's not old enough to be a great-grandmother. My brother, who is younger than I am, is going to be a grandfather. So I'm going to send him a cane or a walker because he's going to need it here very soon. But the things that we teach our kids over and over and over and over again, we want them to get them. We want them to get it so that when they are on their own, they make us proud. I know there are times that as a parent, and I'm sure you have too, that you think your kids are not listening or not getting it. And then they go to somebody else's house or they go to some place on their own. And whoever, you know, you go and pick them up and they, the, the people in charge then tell you, you have such a wonderful child. And we always say, where is that child? Because we don't see it. It's like you don't see your children growing up. And when somebody else has seen them that hasn't seen them in a while, they go up and they go, man, your kid's growing like weeds. Have you ever looked at a weed and let it grow very tall? You see, usually you see a weed and what do you do? You pull it out of the ground or you mow it over, you know? Because the fact is they grow fast. They grow faster than grass does. That's why they're growing like weeds. But you don't see it right there. But your children are learning from you. Parenthood mentoring. Over and over and over, you've got to give the concepts to them so that they drill them in your head. The same is true when you're doing it and mentoring somebody else. We find the second thing, not just parenthood mentoring, but pace-setting mentoring. Paul's second letter to Timothy, he points out in chapter 3, where he says, but you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose is in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. Paul, I mean, uh, Timothy was with him through all of this. Timothy understood it all. And then Paul says, yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life and Jesus Christ will suffer persecution. I think that that's what Demas did not want to do. He had seen enough of it. He didn't want to know, he didn't want to continue a life of persecution. He wanted to continue a life of ease. And then Paul continues, but evil, evil people and impostors will flourish. They will deceive others and they themselves will be deceived. But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. Paul sets the pace for the life. Timothy You've got to keep learning and emulating my lifestyle. And understand, Timothy, this takes time. We live in this instant society. Everything's instant. 
You want to find an answer, you pull out your phone, you Google it, and you find the answer quickly, don't you? We have microwaves in our house. Put it in there, boop, two seconds later, there's a Pop-Tart, and it's done. Or I think it's three seconds on the, on the instructions. Whatever it is, we live in an instantaneous society. I don't see anybody going out to the parking lot anymore and getting into the front of their vehicle and turning a crank in order for your car to start. We get on our cars now, we, put on, we hit the brake and we press a button to start the car. Instantaneous. We don't want to take the time to boil potatoes and to peel potatoes and then to, you know, get them soft and then make mashed potatoes with them. We want to go and pick them up at the store and two minutes later we have instant potatoes. Well, mentoring takes time, folks. It takes a lot of time. And you've got to understand that, that it does take a lot of time. There is, that, that you, the, the point I'm trying to make is that maturity takes time. It's not because you have gray hair that makes you mature. If that was the case, some of you would have been mature back in your teenage days. You're just coloring it up so that none of us know. Gray hair does not make that. But age does. Learning, having that wisdom, learning from your mistakes. You've probably heard the term that Christianity is one generation from extinction. And that might be true, but that might be over, oversimplifying it just a little bit. But the fact remains that there is no generation that is exempt from the call to fulfill the great commission of Jesus Christ or to serve God daily. The next generation is watching us. They're looking at us. They are seeing everything that we are doing, and we must set the pace for it. You've heard it time and time again that the Christian life is a marathon. Most of us think it's the 100-yard dash, and when we're done with it, we're done for the day. It's a marathon. It's long. It's grueling. It's painful. There are times in a marathon you just want to quit. Fortunately, I don't have that endurance to run a marathon. I have the endurance of walking to my front step and front porch and getting the mail and walking back. That's about it. No. I walk every day, almost every day. I walk a 5K from my house around Pepper Park and back to my house. And I love it. I love walking. I just can't run. But marathon runners, they can. And your life is a marathon. So endure, have a good pace with it. In the book of Romans, we find out in chapter 16 that says, we find that Timothy is now a fellow worker with Paul. He has gone from an acquaintance to now he is a solid team member. He is Paul's assistant. He is now Paul's assistant. And as Paul's assistant, he has been groomed now to take his mantle. We spend plenty of time desiring and praying for laborers to go out into the fields. We talked about that last week. We spend time, the Lord says, pray that you, the, that you will send laborers in my field because the, 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 the fields are white unto harvest, but the laborers are few. 
But guess what? We need to start investing our time into the laborers so that they can go out into the field. We need to take the time. We need to invest the time. It's one thing to pray. It's the easy part. It's a harder part to take somebody under your wings and mentor them. We serve today so that we can do this three-phase. We need to parent in our mentoring. We need to set the pace in our mentoring. But we need to partner in our mentoring. We need to begin to find people in our lives that we can help, that we can assist, that we can pass on. What are you passing on to somebody? What knowledge do you have? Yesterday, I was over in the gym. One of our former students who had graduated came up to me, and, and he was in my mentoring class. And he, and he just says, man, I just want to thank you. I said, thank me? Thank me for what? You know? He goes, you took me out, and you showed me how to fix a flat tire. I said, okay. I've had four nails in my tires. I was able to go and get a kit and do the exact same thing that you did and fix my tire without taking it to somebody else. And I just smiled and I said, you're welcome. You're welcome. To me, it was nothing. To him, it was everything. The baton has been passed from Paul to Timothy, and it didn't stop with Timothy. Timothy passed it along, and he, they passed it along, and they passed it along until today. You now have that baton in your hand. What are you going to do with it? It's been passed to us. We have a responsibility now to be parents. We have a responsibility to set the pace because it's going to be a long haul. We want somebody that's gone out and trying to make it a sprint. we got to say, hey, slow it up a little bit. You're going to burn yourself out. And then we've got to find the right people to partner with, to invest ourselves. I always wonder, what am I going to pass along to my children? What am I going to pass along to my wife? What am I going to pass along to you? I don't know what it might be, but I do know this, that I do want to pass something along to you. And I challenge you to start passing it along to somebody else. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we have a great work to do. And some of us have been lazy, just like me. We've just prayed, but we haven't gone out to do anything. God, I pray that you will Give us all the desire to get up, to get moving, and like we haven't exercised in a while, we might be hurting for a few days and weeks, but Lord, after a while, it becomes easier. Bring people into our lives that we can help and assist with. Bring people in our lives that we can witness to. Bring people in our lives that we can mentor and not keep these things that you have blessed us with and the knowledge you have given us, but God, that we can take it to the world share your wonderful gospel with it. 
instill in all of us a desire to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.